deny himself. That's what Jesus did. That's what we have to do. Take up his cross. That's what he did. That's what we have to do. And follow me. That's what he's asking us. I want to do that. Well, you might say, Pastor, you're doing it. <laughs> I really want to do that in every way. No matter what the difficulty is, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it gets. I really want to deny this flesh. I really want the Lord to help me follow him. At this point in my life, I'm realizing, just like you guys, because you get in uncomfortable places, and we all do, I'm realizing, I think I'll let y'all sit down. I know y'all prepared, but we kind of don't always do what's prepared. <laughs> A man plans his ways, but the Lord orders his steps. I'm just discovering again how much I need the Holy Spirit to help me be everything I need to be to run my course and to finish my course. How about you? Did anybody feel like that? The Lord's showing me we can only do it by the helper, the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for y'all. I don't know how all of this is going to work. And we'll probably uh, deputize some people <laughs> into their ministries <laughs> or they call or empower them to begin to walk in the call if they hadn't started yet. How many of you watch the news? You, you need to watch the news sometime. It'll have you on your face. You really need to, I don't like the news. You need to watch the news sometimes. Or you're living in some bubble somewhere. You know, you're living your own life. And uh, too much of it will get you messed up, but I do watch the news. And, uh, several years ago, uh, something happened in Times Square. I've been there. Beautiful, man. All the TVs and the lights, it's amazing. It's like the sun's out. There's so much. Uh, technology and screen TVs. There was this big screen and it was around Christmas and they had a big picture of Santa Claus. And under Santa Claus, it had Mary, M-E-R-R-Y. And under this picture was Jesus on the cross. And it said under the cross, Dump the myth. Keep the Mary. M-E-R-O. Dump the myth. How many of y'all know this is not a myth that we're walking in? Confucius, Mohammed, all the other religions in the world, it's just a myth. <laughs> you understand? It's just, it may have started from something, somewhere, but it's all just a myth. And the, serve, and the Jesus I serve is not a myth. Amen. And I'm telling you, everything 
the Antichrist in the world is attacking everything and everybody that's carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a force of darkness at work. It's always been at work, but there's a force of darkness at work right now that we're, that we're having to deal with. There's even a new religion now called, called Christlam. Christlam. I mean, that's just crazy. But it's the Jews and Christians and Muslims coming together to form one religion. That is interesting. But you know what's happening? They can't get Christ to work in it. So they got to get rid of the Christ. Because <laughs> it just won't work with the Christ. And so everything that's trying to get rid of the Christ is anti-Christ. I mean, everything. It's, it's, it's happening in our own country. It's happening in our school. I mean, I'm telling you, there are more outsiders and Muslim nations, other religions, uh, terrorists that are attacking our land and killing people in our country, but it's never Christians making these attacks. If it is someone tagged as a Christian, it's some wacko and looney tune. Y'all understand, we know that. But Christians are not attacking and killing people. But Christians are being killed all over the world right now, and it's not even being publicized. It's not even being put on the news. They want to snuff us out. It, just as they wanted to do the same with Christ, they hated him, and they will hate Christians in this world today. And so my message won't take long today, but it's going to be very, very challenging, and it's going to be right here in your faith. And it's, the Holy Ghost gave me this. The worst thing that's going on in our society today is that Christians are removing the Holy Ghost. That's Antichrist. <laughs> that's Antichrist spirit taking the Holy Ghost out of Christianity. This is serious. And it's very subtle. And I'm, I'm upset about it. Not, not want to beat somebody up, but grieved. And so I went to my comforter. I said, Holy Ghost, I'm grieved about the way things that are watered down and they're taking you out of the church. You know what the Holy Spirit told me? I'm grieved too. That's why you grieve, because I'm grieved. You understand, our relationship with the Holy Spirit today needs to be first and foremost. Can you put up that next scripture? I got stirred this week too. And I'm so sorry I took y'all to Georgia. <laughs> we're two hours in Georgia. Two hours. It's like we, we came up Highway 75, and just three miles up the road, you get on 10, and you just come back to Louisiana. We're two hours into Georgia. I'm just talking. Danielle's sitting in the middle, in the middle of the uh, back seat, 
And when I look through the rearview mirror, I just see Danielle's face, and we just talking. He's sleeping. I think Jeremy went to sleep. He's, uh, we just talking. We just talking. Jeremy, uh, Danielle's pulling as much as she can on me, out of me. We just talking, having fun. And all of a sudden, we pass. I've been that away on Highway 75 at least, I don't know, 30 times. I've been to Disney World. I've been to Tampa. I've drove, I could drive that at night with no lights, <laughs> blindfolded. <laughs> and so we pass this structure, and I mean, it's almost like it's right on the side of the interstate. It's so close. It's so visible. It's so huge. And I look at that thing, and I'm thinking, I never saw that before. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, they must have just built it, so we just keep going. I'm still talking. I like to talk. In my talk, I will miss the turn. So finally, we stop. We take a restroom break, and we get back in the car. And no, we, were, we were at the rest stop. We were at the rest stop. We were at the rest stop. Okay. I love that girl. <laughs> anyway, we're at the rest stop. And Jeremy says something that I thought was so foolish, and I was almost agitated. Jeremy says, why does that sign say Georgia? We're in Georgia. And I looked at Jerry, Jeremy, and I said, Jeremy, you don't come from Florida and go through Georgia to get back to Louisiana. What are you thinking? And then we find out we are in Georgia. <laughs> Two hours. So how many of y'all do this when you're lost? You get in the car and you drive fast. <laughs> and sometimes you don't even know where you're going, but you get in the car and you know you got to catch up. And so, man, I am driving fast down the back roads trying. How many of y'all know when you're two hours out the way, you got to go two hours to get back in the way? And so, I mean, I am driving wide open. Uh, my disciples have lost faith in their leader. I'm kind of frustrated. I'm coming down a back road almost doing 80 miles an hour, and I see this squirrel in the road. And that squirrel is running down the middle of the road on the stripes, and I'm like, <sighs> I'm not caring about him at all. He's running away from me at 80 miles an hour. I can almost see his tongue hanging out. And all of a sudden, he stops, turns around, and runs to me just as fast. And I am not on the yellow line. I am not. He is. And I just, I, I never let up. And all I hear is, Boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. And of course, they all said, why didn't you try to dodge him? How many of y'all know you don't jerk at 80 miles an hour? He's not in my lane. I'm not in his lane. I can't help him. And when I heard, boom, 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 both tires. It's almost like I had to vent my frustration into something. The sacrificial squirrel. He, he relieved me of my burden. 
And now they're doubly mad at me. They're a double anointing of madness about me because I missed a turn two hours and now I ran over the squirrel. So I end up in the back seat <laughs> in time out, <laughs> Be beat up all the way home. <laughs> and you know, they're still telling me they love me, but I'm in the back seat. So we did. We went to a Walmart. When, when frustrated, go to Walmart. We bought buckets of ice cream, and we just, I insisted, I need some comfort food. We just started eating. <laughs> Y'all do that? <laughs> Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? You ever ask that question? <laughs> Butch, where are you going? They think, they think Jesus is lost. Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where am I going? You cannot follow me. Great. But you shall follow me afterward. Do you think that threw them off? I'm going to tell you this. The disciples were always confused. They never got it. I'm telling you, they never, ever got it. Where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. That's a very important word right there, <coughs> afterward. And so I started thinking about my need as a pastor, as an individual, my need for a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And you know what, Danielle? Jesus had to say bye. He said, I'll see you in a while. They didn't even get that. I'll see you in a little while. They did not get that. They didn't get anything. He'd tell parables and they'd all be saying, amen, yeah, yeah. And he knew they didn't get it. But at least they had, a, they had sense enough to call him to the side and say, what do you mean by this? And he would explain it again. And they still didn't get it. I'm going to ask some questions this morning. But I don't want you to answer out loud. I want you to begin to search your own heart. We're going somewhere as a church. You understand? We all, we got to grow up. We got to grow beyond where we are today. Ma'am, when you came up here, I saw the glory. I'm, I'm talking to you in the red shirt. You might want to interpret. I know who she is. She's the best part of you. But when I saw you come up here, I saw the glory of God on you. And I saw you like a sponge. You were wanting something from God that you hadn't got yet, but today you'll get what you've come for. In Jesus' name, just get ready. And not only did I see what God was doing to you, what you did 
touch me. You know, people's desire for God moves me. People's desire to fulfill their call, it, it does something to me. It, we're not in competition. You called to do one thing, I'm called to do something else, but at the same time, we're working together. We're serving the same God in the same faith, in the same spirit. So I'm going to ask some questions this morning. If you were at the tomb of Lazarus and you were standing by Jesus Christ and Mary and Martha, they're crying, they're weeping, he's four days late. Jesus is four days late. He's four days dead. And then he tells those that are at the tomb, roll away the stone. And they roll away the stone. And then he says these words that to the, to the natural mind is ridiculous. Lazarus, come forth. You're standing there watching this, not making any sense at all. Never saw this before. And all of a sudden, Take the grave clothes off of him. Would that have changed your life? Don't answer me. I don't need a response. You listen to your own heart. Would that have changed your heart or changed your life? How about Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration? This is his inner circle, and you got invited. You're the chump. You're just there watching, holding Peter's satchel. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands up. His face starts to glow. The anointing is at full throttle. No human being has ever seen this before. All of a sudden, his clothes start to get white. All of a sudden, a cloud comes. And they're in the cloud, and you're in the cloud. And the power of God is so thick and so powerful, they all fall out on the ground. And then Moses and Elijah shows up, and God said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Would that change your life? Don't answer. You're in the middle of a desert somewhere. Jesus had been preaching all day. You've been at the meetings. Can you imagine? <laughs> and then it's getting dark, and everybody's getting hungry. Sounds like some of us. You, we can't go to meetings and not leave and not eat. And all of a sudden... The people that are in charge, they, they recognize, well, we, we can't feed these people. We don't even have enough money to go to McDonald's to buy anything, and McDonald's is too far off. So Jesus looks at those that are closest to him, and, said, and he says, what you got? And you happen to be the person with the five loaves and the two fish, and you get to walk up to Jesus and give it to him, and you have no idea what he's about to do. 
because nobody in those days had a clue what Jesus was going to do. They didn't. They really didn't. This is new to them. And so he takes it. He looks up to the Father. He blesses it. And then he gives you a fish and a loaf and said, go feed all those people. There's a sea of people. <laughs> Me? <laughs> uh, how, how, did, how did this work? I think they're working off of his faith, not, not theirs. You there. You got a loaf. You got a fish. He said, just go stand over there. He's putting everybody in groups. And he said, just break the tail off the fish. Give it to somebody. If they don't like the tail, break the head off. It doesn't matter. Just start breaking something. And the bread, too. And so they would break a piece off the fish and give it to somebody. And it would just, like, grow back. They know what little they have. But it's like going a long ways. And you were there. And you were participating. And you saw that happen. Wouldn't that change your life? No answer. How about going fishing one day and a storm comes up and Jesus is in the boat? Are y'all listening? I'm going somewhere with this. This is going to be a challenge today. And Jesus is in the boat and a storm comes up and the wind and the rain and the waves and the thunder and the lightning is shaking the boat. They are afraid. Jesus is sleeping. You're on the boat. Maybe you're the one that runs down there and shakes up Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you got to do something. Something or we're going to drown. So he just gets up, yawns, stretches. <sighs> Be calm. Be still. And all of a sudden, it's like glass. I think I would be the person, and you probably would too, like, who is this man? Would, he, would that have changed your life? Don't answer it. How about if you were blind man, Bonamaeus' brother or sister, and you would bring him to the gate of Jericho every day, and you'd put him in his spot. But today you, just drop, you didn't just drop him off and drive off. You stuck around a little while and just, you know, a little fellowship. And all of a sudden Jesus comes through Jericho, and he passes by, and your brother goes off like an idiot. Son of David, have mercy on me. And then all of the disciples, all the people, even you, are said, shut up. You're making a scene. And you try to stop the one that has a need, and Jesus that can give the need, he stops. And the ones that said keep quiet and kept him still, Jesus calls him to himself and he comes up to him and he asks him what do you need and he says my sight I want to see so he does what he does he prays he lays hands on him and all of a sudden he can see this is supernatural this is a miracle and you're an eyewitness would that change your life can I do one more the lady with the issue of the blood of blood. She's a couch potato. All she does is sit at home and listen to soap operas. She's depressed, oppressed. She's out. She spent all she had. Went to every doctor, every Ashna clinic that there was, and she just got worse. Anybody ever been there? Things just start getting worse. 
Well, you may be her sister or brother, and you just came to see her one day, and she'd just given up on life. But she had heard, or either Googled it, Googled it, I don't remember what she did, but she heard that there was this man called Jesus and people were touching his garments and getting healed. So when she heard he was close and heard all the chatter outside, she just got up off that couch and you there. And it's like, what are you, where are you? You never moved like this before. <laughs> and so she starts running through the crowd like a mad person. And she gets close to Jesus and just dives at his hymn of his garment and she touches the hem of his garment and Jesus stops because he felt virtue go out of him and she felt virtue go into her and all of a sudden you know if you're in pain or you're going through something and it's eliminated or eradicated or dealt with right away you're usually probably the first one to know it <laughs> so she didn't get a miracle she got whole I mean, Jesus said, you have been made whole. Man, I don't know how far that goes. She lost a lot of money trying to heal herself or get fixed. I'm thinking she got whole. She probably got her husband back because you know what I mean. It probably wasn't too active a life at that point. <laughs> she was a mess. If you were there and saw that, would that have changed your life? Now, for all of those stories, I'm going to answer it for you. No. No. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get a little frazzled here. No. Oh, yeah, if I, if I could have been there. No. Jesus' disciples saw it all three and a half years. Heard the best of the best. There were no preachers coming from outside. <laughs> there wasn't any other apostles, prophets, pastors, or teachers coming in. He did it all. There wasn't a five-fold ministry. He was it. And he was the best. He was the son of the living God. The way I got this message was, I read Zechariah 4, 6, and the Bible says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. And I never understood that. I thought it meant my might, my power, and he, but it's his spirit. I can't do anything. Jeremy just said it. You know, without him, we, we can't do anything. It's impossible for us to do any supernatural exploit or any miraculous thing. It's just impossible. So I, I always did not understand that scripture. And you know what? I have found if you let the Holy Spirit work with you reading the scriptures, he'll illuminate it because he is the teacher and he's the helper. You know what I'm finding about my Bible? This is so cool. You got to get this. That when I allow the Holy Spirit to do his part and I do my part, the scriptures just become alive. I, all of a sudden, I don't see print. I see a person. And sometimes I'm the person. Sometimes Jesus is the person, but I can relate to Jesus. Sometimes it's Paul. Sometimes it's Peter. But all of a sudden, the script becomes a part of me. 
I'm in the script and the script is in me. I'm in the word and the word is in me. I'm in the life of that word and the life of that word is in me. Are y'all getting this? So everything that disciples went through, everything, everything they saw, they saw, I mean, we can't even count the miracles Jesus did and they were with him. <clears throat> but at the cross, at the cross, he told them all where he was going. He told them all that this temple would be destroyed and in three days it would be resurrected. They never got it. And when he died, none of them were at the cross except John. And John was there because he was just a friend of Jesus. It's like if Leslie died, I'm going to go to his funeral because he owns the funeral home, for one thing. You understand, it was just, he was a friend. Mary was there, his mother, but she was the mother of Jesus. And at this point, where's Dr. Luke? Where's Matthew? Where's Philip? Where's James? Bartholomew? Peter, where are you, Peter? Why didn't you come? You said you wouldn't deny Jesus. Where are they? They saw it. They touched him. He breathed on them. He ate with them. The son of the living God. Where are you, Peter? Peter was one that got the revelation. Hey, Peter, who am I? You're the son of the living God. He said, Simon, that's his carnal name. Simon, who, who do you say I am? You're the son of the living God. And mom, Jesus is like, come on, we're getting somewhere now. <laughs> and, he, and Jesus said, you know, you didn't get that on your own. You're not that educated. My father in heaven revealed that to you. And he said, upon this rock, and it wasn't, and then that's when he called him Peter. And he was basically prophesying into the church age. And he said, upon this rock, and it wasn't Peter, it was a revelation that Peter got that came from the Father. He said, I will build my church, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of God. And what you permit, what's permitted in heaven, you will permit on earth. What's allowed in heaven, you will allow on earth. What's, what's disallowed in heaven will be disallowed on earth. Power and authority was being prophetically given to Peter, a type of the church to come. But Peter wasn't at the cross. Matter of fact, the two disciples that were, that knew Jesus. And one of them was very kin to, the, to James. And they're walking seven miles away from the power of salvation. And Jesus is still trying to get close to them. <laughs> and they do not even get it again. And I started thinking about what these disciples went through and denied Jesus. How does that how can someone being involved with all of this 
touching Jesus, seeing Jesus, how can they deny him? It's not by power. You raise the dead, that's power. It's not by might. You stop a storm, that's might. You open blind eyes, that's power. You walk on water? What if that was you in the boat? That was you with them in the boat. And Jesus says, come. This time he's not in the boat. He's out the boat. But you're still in the boat going under. And this time, you're not waking Jesus up. He needs to wake us up. He needs to wake the disciples up. And he says, Peter, come on out the boat. And you're in the boat and you're watching this. And you see Peter walk to Jesus. And everybody gets excited because he sank. I'm excited about that he walked on water. And it took a little faith to walk on water, not a lot of faith. And then Jesus grabbed them and they walked back to the boat, got in the boat. You in the boat, you seeing all of this. And then Jesus gets in the boat and he points to 12 baskets. And he picks one up because he gave you one after the feast and said, look what I can do. And of course, you know, I think they put them all in the boat. They leave in that place. And here you are again, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Peter walked on water. And he promised Jesus he would not deny him. But this is what Jesus said. You know, Peter was pretty, Jesus had to rebuke him one day because he was mindful of the ways of man. And then Jesus confronted him one day. And he said, Simon, Simon. He didn't call him Peter because he was not Peter yet. He was prophesied to be Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. And he wants to sift you like wheat. This is phenomenal right here. But Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. I'm thinking, what was he praying? I have prayed for you. Come on, think with me. I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. I, aren't you glad Jesus is praying for you? I know what he's praying for you about. I know some things he's praying for us about. But he said, Peter, I'm praying for you. I'm your man. I'm praying for you. When you return, Comfort, strengthen the brethren. When you return afterward, in a little while, what is he talking about? All I can think of, when you return, strengthen the brethren. The only way we can really be strengthened <coughs> personally <coughs> wait on the Lord. And he renews our strength. And then the Bible says there'll be some acceleration. We'll run. And not grow real weary. And we'll walk. There'll be some new fellowship that we never knew before. And we'll walk in the light as he is in the light. And we'll have fellowship with one another. And then I'm thinking 
this is all for Peter, but it's all for us. Then you'll mount up with wings like an eagle. This is spirit. How many of y'all need to go to another altitude? Y'all know that the demonic realm is in the spirit realm, but we fly way above that. The higher you go, the better off you'll be in the realm of the spirit. He loves us. Your loves, like an ocean, is wide and is deep. Your loves, like a river, is flowing. Mercy continually to me. Your loves, like a mountain, it reaches to the sky. Your love is like an eagle teaching me how I can fly. Come on, flap your wings a little bit. So this is what the Lord showed me because I know the answer I gave you makes no sense. But everybody denied Jesus. Everybody deserted Jesus. Everybody turned their back on Jesus. But I really believe he specifically was praying for Peter. Peter. Father, have him in that upper room. Get him in that upper room. Or he'll never make it. Get him in that upper room. Lord, bring him to that upper room, that place that's been prepared for my people to carry my ministry and to carry my life. I believe Peter got strengthened there. Put the next scripture up. They never got it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage I tell you bye. I'll see you later. How about see you later? See you later. <laughs> For if I do not go away, it's expedient that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, listen to this. You see that, those next words? When he has come, when he has come, he will convict, what? The world of sin. <clears throat> Before the Holy Spirit came, the disciples were not convicted of their sin. I'll say that again. Before I came to Jesus Christ, I was not convicted of my sin. I would try to cover my sin with some fig leaf type stuff. I'd do something good so I'll feel good. That's what the whole Old Testament was about. They would do something that God said do, and you would feel better about it. But every year, that priest would have to go back into that Holy of Holies and make atonement again by the blood of an animal that people would feel good about it. Because if you do what God tells you to do, you'll feel good about it. 
And the disciples would also do things he told them to do, and then they would feel good about it, but they did not have the ability to follow him. And I believe this with all of my heart. Jesus could have stayed on the planet and lived to be 120 years old and preached the gospel eight hours a day and had a flock and a crew of people follow him all the time, but yet the church would have never been birthed. And eventually, at best, the gospel would have went a little ways. Because if people walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, ate with Jesus, could not follow him, how in the world will people that never saw him follow him? Zero, nada, none, hole in the donut. I heard that one this week. Y'all, y'all with me? It's not going to happen. If Jesus died and that was it, the gospel would only go a month or two at best. I don't believe that. Christianity's leaving this nation. We can't find the Ten Commandments in any courthouse. And you don't believe it? And this church, this country was founded on the Judeo-Christian values. You understand? It was founded on that. And now you can't even find a foundation. So don't think the gospel was going anywhere without the Holy Ghost. And that's what's stirring me right now. The church was started with the Holy Ghost. And without the Holy Ghost, the church is not going anywhere. And so this is my point. Point number one, only point. And it's pointing to you and I. An external Jesus is not as good as an internal Jesus. I'm going to say it again. The external Jesus didn't help nobody. I know that hurts your religious mind. But the external Jesus did not hurt anybody. People walked and talked with him and saw miracles and all denied him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to challenge us. You need the Holy Ghost. Or you will not follow Jesus. Or you will not fulfill the call on your life. You've got to have the Holy Ghost, but you have to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, and you have to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. Well, Pastor, I'm so, I'm so confused. It's the Father, it's the Son, and it's the Holy Ghost. Who do I go to? They're not in competition. You go to the Holy Ghost, he's hooked up with the Father, he's hooked up with the Son. If you go to Jesus, I'm telling you, everything is of the Father through the Son. In the spirit. If you're not in the spirit realm, you will never touch base with who you really are and what you're called to do. You will never get there. It's not by power. They saw the power. It's not by might. They saw the might. It's by the spirit, saith the Lord. It's by the Holy Ghost. It's by the Holy Ghost. It's by the Holy Ghost. The best walk is not walking with Jesus. The best walk is Jesus walking in you. It's a better relationship. I'm going to tell you this, and you, your mind won't accept it. Jesus, is, Jesus can be more real to us today than he was with his own disciples. 
Come on. He can. The, the Holy Spirit can bring Jesus so alive to you, personally to you, and it'll be more real than the day that he walked with his own disciples. Ah, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that. <laughs> Once the Holy Ghost was poured out, Peter finally stood up with the 11. And he said, this is what has been prophesied by Joel. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And my sons and daughters are going to prophesy. And young men will see visions and old men shall dream dreams. And my men servants, the fivefold ministry, and my lady servants, that's you ladies. You can have as much of the Holy Ghost if you want. And then he talks about signs in heaven and wonders on earth. And then he says this, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen to this. When people walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, and were disciples of Jesus, no one ever asked, what must I do? You know why? The Holy Ghost hadn't been released yet. He's the convicting power. Everybody was religious. Y'all don't take this way out of context. I'm just trying to tell you, we live in a better dispensation today. I'll, I'll take you to Egypt. Let's go to Egypt, okay? Y'all all come to Egypt with me. Put your little... Work clothes on because you're under a tough taskmaster. You're building buildings for Pharaoh and you're making bricks. Look at your hands. They're rough. 400 years, 400 years under oppression. How many of y'all know they want out? So God sends a deliverer. Y'all listen up and you'll learn something. God sends a deliverer. God looses, releases 10 plagues. You read about it. You saw the show Ben-Hur. It was pretty good. It's the power of God. Ten, well, Ben-Hur was in it. Ten commandments, Ben-Hur. So all of a sudden, people that are in bondage and can't see their way out, some man just starts to talk and telling a pharaoh, the number one kingpin in the whole world, let my people go. And God was working with him, and there was life in his rod. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, things start to happen. You're in this group, okay? All of a sudden, they do what the deliverer says, and they kill the lamb. And they put the blood on the doorpost. And Moses said, just eat the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, and stand behind the doorpost. Do not, do not come out from behind the blood. Stay covered. Stay behind the blood. It will be safe. And so they're at perfect peace. No fear. And they hear the, the howls and the screaming 
because the firstborn that didn't put themselves behind the blood, they're dying. And they had perfect peace. And they already had been charged what to do the next day. Go knock on the doors of all the Egyptians and say, give me your blinging thing. And they just started giving them all of their treasure, all of their jewelry. Man, if I tried to get your jewelry in this church, you'd scratch my eyes out. All of a sudden, they just handing it all over. And the Bible says they plundered Egypt when they came out of Egypt. Then they get to the Red Sea and they think, wow, this is a mess up right here. What are you doing, Moses? And all of a sudden, Moses does this thing and God just splits the sea. And they're all like, oh, my God, what to do? Moses said, go. So they go across. And when they go across, you know, they're still thinking the enemy's after us. But God closes the sea on Pharaoh's army. And you know what? They're finding wagon wheels today in that sea. And then they get to the other side. Are y'all bored? When, you, when they get to the other side, all of a sudden they find out they have air condition, a cloud in the daytime, and this supernatural heater at night. The presence of God is with them. Anytime they come out their tent, they just see the presence of God. They could see it, but they couldn't feel it. They didn't have that. They would see it and be amazed. Because, I mean, it's just phenomenal to see this pillar of fire. Wow, what's up? what God's up to? They saw that for years. And then they saw Moses hit the rock and water would just come out of it. My God, eyewitnesses. Birds would fly out of the sea. Uh, quail. Quail don't live in the sea. You know, they're not aquatic birds. <laughs> they land in, you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they don't swim around in water. They like land and trees. And then manna was falling from heaven. Oh, my God. But you know what? They saw his wondrous works, but none of them believed. They kept saying, this is all good, but let's go back to Egypt. That was their attitude. And who made it into the promised land? Two. They saw it all. They were involved with it all, but they never entered in. Another picture of hands-on Jesus. Did y'all get that? So, what's up? It's all the Holy Ghost. And listen, I'm not saying if you have Jesus and you believed in Jesus in your heart, you're not going to heaven. But you stuck. And now people might get mad at me saying this. I mean, the cross was a means to the end. Now, the cross is everything, but not even Jesus stayed at the cross. When you need it, go to it. That's where the power is. That's where you get your sins washed away. Anytime you need to go there, go there, but he's not wanting us to stay there. He's wanting you to take up your cross. That's what he's called you to do. That's the purpose, your assignment in your life, but you won't do it without the Holy Ghost. And this, li listen what happened, because this is where the church started. 
when Jesus was coming through Jerusalem about a week before he was going to be crucified, they had him on the best truck that you could buy, a donkey. They were laying four horse. They were lay four footed. They were laying palm limbs and branches, and they were all crying. Blessed be the Lord. Hosanna in the higher. Everybody, blessed be the Lord. Hosanna in the high. Blessed be the Lord. Hosanna in the high. One week later, he's been arrested. And they need to make a choice. The same people. Are you going to pardon Barabbas, a seditious man? He's not patriotic at all. He's against everything. They chose him over Jesus. And then they started crying in the streets. The same ones that watched him, the same ones that were crying, Hosanna in the highest. Now they're saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. So there's another story. It's not by might, nor by power. It's not by the miraculous or the miracle you accepted or saw or had happen in your body. That's been the most discouraging thing in my whole ministry, is to watch God, God open blind eyes. I've seen it happen. And then they just don't serve God. Heal people in a miraculous way. Heal all of their bones in their body, and then they turn, and they don't even serve God. Time after time after time, thinking of a little girl right now. We, she always had a cross eye. One eye was looked down. And we prayed for her one night. I felt the anointing go in her. When she went home, she looked in the mirror. Her eye just popped right. And it's still like that today. And she's not serving the Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by some miracle that you saw in your life or that came to you. It's by my spirit says the Lord. It's about being in the spiritual realm, hooked up with the Holy Ghost. Man. So this is what happened. Peter stands up. He stood up like he never stood before. He started preaching. I already preached half of his message. And what he preached was a manifestation. What he did, he gave an explanation of a manifestation. He said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. They ain't drunk as you suppose. <laughs> we're, not, we're not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> we're drunk. We fill with something, but we're not drunk as you suppose. And this is what he then said. All of you of Israel, all of Jerusalem, heed my words, listen to my voice, the Jesus, the Christ that you crucified has risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. The one you crucified. And they started to tremble and they started to shake. The very ones that crucified him. And you know what they said? They were convicted for the first time. The Holy Ghost released into the world to convict the world. Judge the world. Oh. You know what they said? 
must we do to be saved? Nobody said that in the New Testament. <laughs> we got the Holy Ghost working with us. When we get off, he gets us right. When we're weak, he makes us strong. Y'all getting this? Don't feel sorry for yourself if you're a Christian. A lot of Christians are like, they complain about everything. Ah, it's just so hard to be a Christian. Ah, I tell you, church is hard, man. People, people are hard. Complaining. Of course, that's in the name of the devil. Now, don't, don't carry the name of Jesus in all of your filth and frustration and meanness and offense. Don't carry the name into that. I don't know, Pastor. I, they had to have it pretty powerful back in the day. Everybody wants to talk back in the day. The good old days. I'm not, I don't want to go back to nothing. It wasn't good old days. I have some good memory, but this is the day of the Lord, and we should rejoice in it. There was a man in the Bible that were arresting Christians, he had letters, legal letters to pick up every person that called themselves a Christian and to drag them back to jail. And one day on a road, he met Jesus. And basically, you know what he said? What must I do to be saved? <laughs> I believe there's more power on this side of the cross than on that side of the cross. Oh, come on, I'll say it again. There's stories about the Christians that got saved in the early church. And as soon as they got saved, Nero got a hold to them. And he would grab them and they'd throw them. And they'd be spectators. And they'd throw Christians to the lines. And you got it hard? I got it hard in America? And I've been thrown to the line. No, no. If you've been thrown to the line, we wouldn't see all of you right now. And history talks about when they threw them to the lines, they were worshiping God. Lions begin to rip their bodies up. How could they do that? They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They were worshiping Jesus via the Holy Ghost. I heard a story about some people would go into the place where the lions had just ripped them apart. They'd find body parts all over. They'd find a head over here, and the head still had a smile of glory on it. They would impair Christians on a stake. Impale Christians on the stake, and they'd be worshiping God. They'd burn Christians at the stake in fire. And they would have this glory on their faces. I know, I know that makes no sense. And the reason it makes no sense, because that early church, was they were in a depth. And, and listen, these people that were thrown to the lines and those that were being put as torches and lit, they never saw Jesus. They never touched Jesus. They never fellowship physically with Jesus, but they had something that the disciples did not have. I think that's still available to us. And this scripture 
that Paul says, it just shakes me. I think it's, it's and it, I'm telling you, probably nobody would understand this. I don't get it yet. But Paul said, I want to know the power of this resurrection. And I want to fellowship in the suffering of Jesus Christ. Fellowship in the suffering. These guys that were being thrown to the line, they were fellowshipping. They had the Holy Ghost. They had hope. They had denied themselves. They had taken up their cross. They had already started to follow Jesus. They were willing not only to live for Jesus, but to die for Jesus. I'm not there yet. Anybody there? We're having trouble just, you know, a couple of bad words. Somebody speaks us. We just all get up, lose our salvation. Come on, we got to get, we got to grow up. Holy Ghost. What are you doing with the Holy Ghost? What are you doing with the one the Father sent? What are you doing with the one that Jesus baptized you into? The Lord showed me this. Technically, we have two spirits now. The Holy Spirit resides in our spirit. But I don't see it like that. Jesus said, no one can come to me except he basically comes oh, what is it you can't come to me except the father that sent me draws you so it's, it's, God's doing some God's dealing with us he's drawing us he wants us to come up so it's all about the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost initiates everything we think we initiate things we, 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 you initiated your salvation? You didn't know what salvation was. Did you initiate getting filled with the Holy Ghost? You didn't know what being filled with the Holy Ghost was. Did you initiate your destination, your calling, your appointment, your assignment in life? You didn't even know what it was. It comes via the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, as long as I'm here, the Holy Ghost is going to have his way. I don't care if we get down to two people. I'm not, I'm not understanding things in this day. People leave in Holy Ghost churches to go to some place that there's no Holy Ghost. And I don't get this, but I'm getting better with it. Y'all give me some help. Y'all pray for your pastor. We got people come here all the time. I'm thankful for it, and I'm okay with it. People come here and just say, I need a touch. Well, you go to church. Well, I go to, you know. But they just, it's not there like here. I'm thinking, I'm okay with it now. Go back to where you need to be and come here when you need a good touch. And we'll make sure that the Lord will touch you. Because we're just going to follow the Holy Ghost. I'm okay with it now. It used to make me mad that somebody would leave this level to go to that level. And then talk bad about their own church and not leave it. I'm not telling anybody here to leave this church or leave any church. I'm saying go where the move of God is. Just go. 
Just go. I never saw this, Hind 57. Sounds like us. We all come out of something. We all been inbred, outbred, debred. <laughs> Don't sit there and look so holy. Last night I did a service in Irwinville. Thank you, Carl. And as I was doing praise and worship, I saw a big ketchup bottle. Now, now watch this. And the Lord started showing me some things. Looks like it's full, huh? Kind of. I had it today, earlier, when I do that and flip it up. It just looked like a full, but I could tell it's not full. And I told the congregation, I feel like there's some people in here like a ketchup bottle. You've been emptied. And sometimes we come around just, you know, we just let a few things shake us up. We'll sing a song, play an instrument, give a testimony, just kind of shake things up. And it all looks good. But you leave, you're all empty. And I don't know about you, but I hate empty ketchup bottles because I like ketchup. I baptized my french fries in ketchup. <laughs> and when I got a full bottle, I take it like this and I squeeze it. And it goes, and it just mounts up. But you know what, you know what an empty bottle does? <laughs> you know why it does that? Ain't nothing in it. And so you know what I have to do? And I just put it on the shelf and just hope when I come back, something will come out. And I felt this last night, and I sense it here today. That's you. You ain't got what it takes. You need a new sensitivity and a new fellowship and a new trusting in the promptings of the Holy Spirit. This will activate people quicker than anything. You, you're not going to earn your way to the mission field by just serving here because you might have to serve a while and you'll get burned out and mad at me. You need to get full. This will get our church in a roar, in a run, and it will begin to accelerate everything here if you would just stay filled, stay stirred up, and get off the shelf and quit pretending we got it when we don't. Being real. Everything that comes along in life is a challenge. Everything that comes along in life is a struggle. I'm telling when people start bringing their complaints to me again, I'm going to say, listen, if you keep complaining, I'm going to throw you in the den of lions. <laughs> I'm going to become a lion. I'm going to eat you up. No, I'm just kidding. But is that you? That is not a good place. First of all, you're upside down. 
when you're upside down in a struggle, you can't even think right. You know, when you're in a struggle and upside down, all the blood's running to your head. You look like this crazy person. So you just need to make a choice. I'm going to serve God in a big way. Not come to church. Not come to church so pastor will like me. Not come to church because it's wholesome and safe. Not come to church because you have time. You know why we have transgenders today? Because we don't have God's agenda. We've all been silent. We've all been away from our assignments and our call. I'm talking about the church at large. I'm talking about myself. So occupied by so many things, and we're not about the Father's business. We're just not about the Father's business. What God is calling you to do, you need to get in it and do it by the power of God. Not in some sissy way, not in some kind of complaining way, but you got to get in it by the Holy Ghost and be the best you can be. Danielle, when we went to this ministry, you know, she's very particular about her kids. And if you're not, I'm worried about you. So she walks back there to check out the children's church. And basically, when she walks in, I, I don't have the verbiage all right. But their first intentions, when your kid comes in there, they're going to fill him or she with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's not a babysitting place. You're not, that kid, all they're thinking about is how can we get that little, that little booger full of the Holy Ghost and full of fire. That's all they're thinking. They just geared that away. Fire! Holy Ghost! Filled! We get that away here, but how about when we leave? I see some people spiritual when they leave here. Just something starts leaking out their back end. They're the vessel. And it just it spilled all over the floor. You just follow them. Well, it was good while I was there, but. <laughs> and they go out of this place sometimes as empty as they came in. It ought not be. I'm telling you, we live in the best. We live in the church age. And Jesus is praying for you. Satan wants to sift you, but he's praying for you that you will not be sift, destroyed, sifted. You won't be destroyed. You won't die prematurely. Your marriage will make it. You'll be a hit. You'll be victorious in whatever you do. Whatsoever you put your hands to, you'll prosper. But the enemy doesn't want that for you. He, did, he comes for one reason to kill, steal, and resort. He does come, but my Savior comes too. My Lord comes too. My mighty God comes too for you and I. So what are you going to do? What are you, you going to do with this Jesus that left you? What are you going to do with this Jesus that pulled out on you? The God that don't care. And left you all alone. Listen, he didn't leave his church alone. He sent his spirit back. And I'm telling you again, it's more real to have an internal Jesus than an external Jesus. Paul said this. He found out by the Holy Ghost a mystery. And he said, the mystery has been revealed to me. And this is what it was. Christ in me. 
hope of glory. He said, it's him we preach, not about him, not as some historic person, even though he is. It's him we preach. The same power that was in him is still in him. But now he's not away from me. He's in me by the Holy Ghost. And he said, it's him we preach, warning every man, teaching all men in all wisdom and presenting everybody and Paul said, I'll do this to the end. I will labor in this until the Lord takes me, and I'm doing it all by the mighty one that works mightily inside of me. My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, off the top, off the chain, unlimited, according to the power that resides on the inside of you and I. I just can't give no more. I, I gave my best this morning by the Holy Ghost. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the Holy Ghost? I'm telling the Holy Ghost is the big helper. He's the repair man. He's the way maker. He's the, William, the wisdom and the brilliance of all of heaven. And he lives inside of us. You are not without. You will never, ever not have to. Ha you don't have to have. You don't need to go without wisdom. He's the truth maker. He's the one that presents the truth. Jesus said it. He couldn't tell them anything. They wouldn't understand it. And now that he's gone and he sent the Holy Spirit to reside in us, we can know all things. He can bring to our remembrance what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and what Jesus is doing throughout the earth right now. He can bring it to us. I'm telling you, I serve a, a bring it to me, God. <laughs> what you going to do? I say fill the hole in the donut. Let's get whole. Let's get complete. You know, Danielle and Jeremy were crying out to people in this church. And basically what they were saying was, God will do for you what he did for them. That's what, maybe not, maybe not a nation, I don't know. But the, the way he's become big God to them, he'll become a big God to you if you have the big Holy Ghost. First of all, Lord, I pray for these two. I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these vessels. Thank you, Jesus. Explosive. Not for destruction, but for creation. An explosive fire. An explosive ability. Explosive in every way. In wisdom, in favor. Explosive. Explosive. Explosive, explosive, explosives, explosive. You know what, what destroyed Cambodia was bombs, just bombs. Blew up people, killed people. They're still finding them today. 
but that's what you'll be there, a bomb. But not a bomb to destroy, but a bomb to create. Explosive in the Lord. Explosive fire. Explosive. Explosive in your praise and worship and your preaching and in your prayer and in your intercession. Explosive. Just explosive. Explosive. God's lighting you right now. He's like a stick of dynamite. But it doesn't blow up and then that's it. It's like this stick can be ignited whenever you just get in close proximity and fellowship and intimacy with the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden you're lit. And all of a sudden you're fired up again. Explosive in laying hands on the sick. Explosive in casting out demons. Explosive in raising up disciples. Explosive in prosperity. Owning land and owning property. Explosive. 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 Lord, we pray the best on them. We pray rest on them. Explosive. Explosives. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you. We even know the early church couldn't even love Jesus right. I mean, the disciples couldn't even love Jesus right because the, the love of Jesus had not been shed abroad in their hearts. They couldn't even love each other right. They couldn't love a church to be because the Holy Ghost had not been given. So, Lord, I thank you for a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, a fresh infilling, a ministry infilling right now. Yes, Lord. And that, Lord, they won't be tapped out, drained out in any kind of way, but full. I thank you that they will be continually be being filled with the Holy Ghost, a new wine from the vine. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for the strategy that they need Thank you, Lord. You'll speak to them by the Holy Spirit, who to talk to, who not to talk to, what to put money on, what not to put money on, who to trust and who not to trust. Holy Ghost wisdom for them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If y'all would, come on up. Y'all come on up here. Yeah. Wow, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh. You know, we, we've been together a while. No, y'all stay up here. It's not about money. I forget to take offerings. <laughs> God takes care of us. And so if this is your church, we were talking about it earlier. You know, just the word, you'll dry up. Just the spirit, you'll get flaky and blow up. But both the word and the spirit, you'll grow up. But you need to pay up too. <laughs> and as you come, listen to this. I heard this this week and I kind of expounded on it. Jesus had to pay his temple tax. You have a temple tax, pay your tithe. But also he had to render to Caesar what was Caesar's. So this is what, I don't want you to start thinking like this. You are not on a fixed income. And don't limit yourself. Jesus and Peter needed finances 
And Jesus got a word from his father, and he told Peter, his disciple, to go do something, and this is what it was.